podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. good boys and girls two for the podcast on friday the 27th of may brought to you by eplindex.com and your presenting sponsor liberty shield liberty shield is a vpn provider a virtual privacy network allows you to go online change your location access things you geoblock from for example if you're a uk expat and you want access to bbc iplayer itv hub all four a liberty shield vpn can get you where you want to be and Keep your data safe. Check out libertyshield.com. Use the code EPL25. That's EPL25 to get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, it is the day before the European Cup final, and I have done multiple previews for this already. So if you're an Anfield Index subscriber or an Anfield Index listener, the Daily Red and AI Scouted will both be out over there. You can listen to both of them. I'm not going to spend too much time on that game today. I'm also doing another preview for it later on. But also this weekend is the richest game in English club football, and that is the championship playoff final, which sees Nottingham Forest taking on Huddersfield. Now, I would bet that at the start of this season, very few people would have suggested that this would be the playoff final this year. Huddersfield last season finished 20th, just outside the relegation zone. In the summer, they had no real budget and were forced to rely on a couple of loans and free transfers. And massive credit has to go to Carlos Corberan, who has turned this club around from what he took over. Now, in fairness, Danny Cowley had done a really good job, but Cowley inherited a mess. When Huddersfield got relegated from the Premier League, and appointed Jan Seward, it was just, it was so, so poor. Everything about the way they operated, how they played, the playing staff was so poor. And Cowley came in and rescued things and steadied the ship and got them into the lower regions of mid-table. And it was a bit of a surprise that he wasn't retained. Corbaran was a big risk. He'd only ever managed in Cyprus before, and only for short stints. He'd worked under Bielsa for a brief time at Leeds, and Huddersfield made a big leap of faith to bring him in. 
And while results didn't go his way in the first season, there was little hints that he was putting in place a style of play, a mentality, a direction that could benefit the club long term. Now, I don't think anyone expected that it would turn around so quickly. They finished third this season. They had one of the best attacks in the league. I think they were fourth most goals scored. I think they were sixth best defense, something along those lines. They're not spectacular in any way. Sorry, seventh best defense in the league. They're not spectacular. They've only scored four or more goals twice. They only beat teams by three or more goals three times. But they only conceded three or more goals four times, and they lost by three or more goals three times. And in the championship where you do get wild results, that level of consistency, that ability to win close games, that's really impressive, and it's sustainable as well. Now, you'd look at their squad, and there's not many that you would say, he's a Premier League player. You wouldn't really look at anyone other than Sorba Thomas and say he can excel in the Premier League. Sorba Thomas is a really unique player in that his path to where he is now is a little bit different. He was playing non-league football, what, 18 months ago? This past season, he had 16 assists in the league, or 16 assists across all competitions. He's become a Welsh international. He is the star of this team. And they will rely on his ability to beat players, to unlock defences, his passing, his vision. That's how they're going to win this game. They don't have many big-time goal scorers. Only Danny Ward scored in double figures for them this year. He got 14. No one else got more than six in the league. Only Ward scored double figures across all competitions. So they're heavily reliant on Danny Ward to be a goal scorer and Sorba Thomas to be the creator. Forrest, on the other hand, are an even bigger outlier to be here because last season they finished 17th. Chris Hewton had taken over in October, replacing Sabri Lamoche. And normally Hewton is money in the championship. He's brought up multiple teams from the championship into the Premier League. Newcastle, Norwich, and Brighton, of course. So you thought that this season, Hewton will certainly challenge for the playoffs. That was the expectation. But the way their season started, it looked like it was going to be a relegation scrap for the year. First eight games, Forrest take four points and are bottom of the table. Hewton wasn't in charge for that one win. He left after seven games. Under Chris Hewton, they took one point in seven games. They were bottom of the league. Then they beat Huddersfield 2-0 after Hewton was fired. They were still bottom of the league. Enter Steve Cooper. 
Now, Cooper had obviously been at Swansea, got them into the playoffs twice, overachieved. Had a bit of a falling out with the owners there or whatever, decided to move on in the summer. Showed the character of the man that he agreed to stay and take preseason, even though he knew he was leaving, and let them go through a proper process of hiring a new manager. He missed out on a number of Premier League jobs because of this. But when he arrived at Forest, he found a team going nowhere. Bottom of the table, no real hope of anything. Looking like a group of lads that had never met before. Since he's taken over, they have been the second best team in the league. The second best team in the league over 38 games. Before he took over, they conceded 12 goals in eight games. Since he took over, only 28 in 38. That's the best defensive record in the league by a considerable distance in that time. They scored seven goals before he took over. They've scored 67 since. That's the second best attack in the league behind Fulham. Since he took over, only Fulham have been better in the division. What he has done with Forrest far outstrips what Scott Parker did with Bournemouth. It would have been a disaster if Bournemouth hadn't come up. For Forrest to have been in the mix going into the last two games of the season was incredible compared to where they were. Forrest have more Premier League ready players. Jed Spence is Premier League ready. Joe Worrell is Premier League ready. I think Scott McKenna could play in the Premier League. I think James Garner, on loan from United, obviously, could play in the Premier League. Not, not for a United-level club, but certainly for a bottom-half club. Uh, I think Zinkernagel could play in the Premier League. And Brennan Johnson is absolutely Premier League ready. Brennan Johnson's first season... At this level, remember last season he was on loan in League One. But what Brennan Johnson has done this season with 19 goals in all competitions, 14 of sorry, 16 of them in the league, is absolutely outstanding. And the partnership he has struck up with Sam Surridge has been really impressive. Surich arrived in January from Stoke, already has eight goals across all competitions, seven in the league. And he hasn't been an every game starter. He's only started five league games. As far as do have options in attack, they Keenan Davis in on loan, Lewis Graben is there. But the Surich Johnson partnership with Zinkernagel behind them, and then Yates and Garner in midfield, that's what's really worked for them of late. Then normally, what they've tended to do is obviously Jed Spence is the is the right back. Jack Colbeck, who's a central midfielder, has been playing left wing back. And then it's Worrell and McKenna, either side of Steve Cook, who I'm not a big fan of, but at the championship level, it is good enough. That's a really strong team. That's a better team than Huddersfield have. But Huddersfield have been remarkably consistent this season. 
they had a, an iffy start. They drew the first game, lost their second game. But they got into the top four after week five. And basically just stayed in the playoff mix the rest of the way. Only spent two weeks in the top two, weeks 37, uh, 36 and 37, but that was when they played more games than Bournemouth. Bournemouth had games in hand. But from week 24 on, so basically the entire second half of the season, 46-game season, they only had one week outside of the playoff spots. They've only lost two games in the last... 26 in the league. So they only lost two games since the end of November. They lost to Millwall. They lost to Bournemouth. Millwall had a good season. Bournemouth went up automatically. Now, obviously, these teams, like I said, they've played twice this season. And Forrest did win the first game. Forrest beat them 2-0 in Huddersfield, uh, grabbing and a Nichols' own goal the difference between the two sides there. Huddersfield won the return leg, a return game, rather. Dwayne Holmes scored the only goal of the game at the city ground. That was back in December. They haven't seen each other since then. But this is set up to be a really good game. It's going to be, it's going to be tight. It'll be two managers trying to outmaneuver each other. I don't think it's going to be high scoring. I think Forrest will win because I do think Cooper is a better manager. I think he'll have had this time to prepare his team. I think he's really good at setting his team up for one-off games. And just individually, for me, they stand out more. There's good players at Huddersfield, but like I said, the only one that I look at and say, He's definitely Premier League ready. Is Sorba Thomas. Toffolo, the left back, is, is good. I don't know that he's great. Matty Pearson, to be fair, is, is, is a good, good defender. John Hogg is decent. Lewis O'Brien's a good player, actually, to be fair. Leeds did try to sign him last season. Jordan Rhodes... Josh Caroma, these are, you know, Jordan Rhodes has knocked around the lower leagues a few times, uh, always looks good in the lower leagues, but has struggled at the top flight. Dwayne Holmes is a good player. We'll see if he's Premier League caliber. The same thing with Sanani, Sanani uh, Daniel Sanani, the, the, where is he from? Luxembourg. Yeah, Luxembourg is right. Um, Sorba is the real standout talent for them. I think with, Forest, there's three. There's Worrell, there's Spence, and there's Johnson. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm picking Forest to win. I'll go 2-1 Forest. But either of them coming up is a good story. Huddersfield, it's the return to the Premier League after you know being a surprise entrant the last time. It's a great turnaround under Corboran. And it's nice to have, you know, with respect, a smaller club in the league who are fighting above their normal status, you know, with Burnley being gone, Norwich gone. I mean, Fulham aren't a big club, but they are a rich club. Bournemouth aren't a big club, but they are a wealthy club. Huddersfield aren't a big or a wealthy club. So 
that's why I'd like to see them. But Forrest is the I I, I love I love Nottingham Forest. I, I've always liked Forrest as a club. It might be Clough, whatever. They've got two European Cups sitting at home in their trophy cabinet. It it is. There's just something about Forest. I've always liked the city ground. You know, you think back to the early '90s when they came up into the Premier League with Collymore, and they had that Collymore Brian Roy front line under Frank Clark. I always go back to that team. I always enjoyed that team. There was always a bit of chaos with them. If you remember when Pierre Van Hoydonk was there and went and strike. Um, yeah, I mean, even like the first season of the Premier League, which is I think got relegated in Clough's last season as manager. Um, there was just something about, about Forrest. There's always been something about Forrest for me. And uh, I'd like to see them back in the division. I, I really would. They haven't been up in 20 years. It'd be nice to see Forrest back in the Premier League. Those fans have been through a lot with some very questionable ownership situations. The current one's now no picnic, but they're going in the right direction. Steve Cooper, I'm a big fan of. And if they don't come up, Johnson, Spence and Worrell will all be Premier League players next season. One way or another. Now, they don't own Spence, obviously. He's in a loan from Borough. I'd like them to be able to keep him, but they'll have to win this game and come up to be able to afford to do that. They don't need as much if they come up. They'll need depth. I think they'll need one at centre-back to go with Worrell and McKenna. You'd want an upgrade at left wing back. You'd want to keep Spence. They'll have to replace Garner. Maybe they can keep him on loan again, but they'll need to bring in a bit more depth in midfield and probably one more up front. It's a lot to do, but not all of it has to be expensive and you can work the loan market. I'd be looking to upgrade the goalkeeper as well. I'm not a Bryce Samba fan. I think Huddersfield would have to do quite a bit more. But look, maybe some of those players will be able to step up. We've seen it before where a player looks like the championship might just be his level. And then they step up, step up into the Premier League where it's a little less frantic and new aspects of the game open up. Um, so I'm looking forward to this one on Sunday. It'll be a, a come down after Saturday. Hopefully all Liverpool fans are very, very happy Saturday night and Sunday and, and onwards. Um, Liverpool, Real Madrid, Saturday night. Good news for Liverpool today. Thiago is fit. Bad news, Divock Origi is not fit and is expected to miss the game. Like I say, I've done more in-depth previews, but I'm confident enough. I'm confident enough that we can win this game. Real don't scare me the way they used to. They're still a very good team. I just don't think they're a great team anymore. I think the, the great players in their team, other than Benzema, I think they've all declined. Modric, Cruz, I think Alaba's a little bit worse than he was. I think their defence can get chaotic. I think their midfield can be a bit one-paced. And if Valverde is the third attacker, that's really four in midfield. And I think Liverpool have the defence to deal with Benzema and Vinicius. I don't know that Real have the defence to deal with Liverpool's front three. I think Liverpool's midfield can play at a tempo Real probably can't live with. And Liverpool's defence is the best unit of all six. 
both attacks, both midfields, both defences. Liverpool's defence is the best unit of the six. I think Liverpool's attack is the second best. And Liverpool have depth, which Real don't. Real don't have many really good options off the bench. Rodrigo, Camavinga, that's kind of where it stops. After that, you're relying more on the idea of certain players than what they're actually capable of. Bale, Hazard, Asensio, Isco. So I am confident. I've predicted a 3-1 three, a Liverpool win. And I'm going to stick with that for this weekend. It should be a good game. But it'll really only be a good game if Liverpool win. That's just the be-all and end-all of it. Um, I'm going to do the uh, the bits of news and gossip first, and then I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I'm going to finish up with a little exercise I've stolen from someone called C.P. Hamill. I think he's Football Daily or something. He does content for them. I've stolen an idea from him, so thanks to him. Uh, but news, Aston Villa have agreed a deal to sign Diego Carlos from Sevilla for £26 million. So Newcastle, remember, tried to sign him in the summer, offered quite a bit more than that. Um, And Villa have stolen him now and gotten him. Look, the bottom line on this is there's a reason top clubs weren't in for him. He's a good defender. He's prone to being empty-headed. He is rash. He does make mistakes. Is he better than Tyron Mings? Yes. He is a lot better than Tyron Mings. Because Mings is garbage. Carlos is better than him. However, I probably would have signed James Tarkovsky if I was them. Now, they may well sign him as well. Rumours are Gerard wants both Tarkovsky and Carlos to go with Konza and Mings as his four. So that may well be the case. But if it's just Carlos... There's strong possibilities of Carlos and Mings having to play together, and that is calamitous. That is just calamitous. And Villa fans can get all chirpy. Oh, Mings has only conceded two penalties, and Carlos was part of the best defence in Spain last year. First of all, utterly meaningless. Secondly, Tyron Mings costs Villa upwards of 10 goals every season. Don't show me errors leading to goal stats because they are nonsense. They don't factor in positional errors. They don't factor in him being far too easy to beat one-on-one. They don't factor in him not reacting to situations. They don't factor in him not making clearances he needs to make. Mings cost Villa a lot of goals, a lot of goals over the course of a season. Go and watch every Villa goal since they Villa goal conceded since they came up. There's, by the way, there's over 150 of them. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Mings is at fault in at least 30 of them. At least. And as for Sevilla having the best defensive record in La Liga last year, it doesn't really mean anything. Like, that's down to a system and a style of play, first and foremost. Villa don't defend or play as well as Sevilla. Villa are more attack-minded than Sevilla. And Sevilla have Jules Koundé, who's really, really special. 
But we have seen defenders come from other leagues, having played in teams that had really good defensive records and being largely dreadful in the Premier League. Like, here's an example. Last season, Real Madrid had the, sec- had the second best defensive record in the league. Rafa Varane came to the Premier League and looked like football was new to him. Secondly, the second best defense in the league this season was Real Madrid. That's a team playing Danny Carvial at right back, who's a corpse. Militao, who's good, but a head case. David Alaba, who's a left-back at centre-back, and Ferland Mendy, who's a good player, but not a particularly good defender. Real had the best defence in 1920, again, with Rafa Varane. So just because a team has the best defensive record, it doesn't mean all of the individual parts are good individual defenders. Like, take this as an example. Atletico Madrid were the best defensive team in Europe for a whole number of years. Which one of the defenders looked as good when they left? None of them. Which one of them looked as good before Simeone got his hands on them? None of them. Because it was Simeone's defensive system. Chelsea have had one of the best defences in England. This season it was as good. Last season under Tuchel it was unbelievable. But you still, if you had any sense, you wouldn't give up your house for Rudiger. You'd recognize that Silva's well past his best. You'd recognize that the system protects them. It's the same thing. At, it's the exact same thing at, at Sevilla. The system of Lupetegui protects them really well. Carlos is a good defender, but he's rash. That's all anybody's telling you. He's rash. Now, I do wonder what them selling Carlos means for Kunde, because one of the things they were adamant about was that they weren't willing to sell both of them. So maybe they decide to keep Jules Kunde now. He does have a buyout, but it's 80 million. It's a lot of cash for a 5'10 centre back who might have to be a right back in the Premier League or force you to play a three non stop. Gerard's recruitment at Villa. Confuses me. Coutinho, Carlos, Dina. Good players, but all older players. Tarkovsky, older player. Being linked with Luis Suarez, older player. I thought they would have bought younger, more along the lines of Bubakar Kamara. Players in that 22 to 25 age range who they could develop together along with all of that great talent they've got coming from their academy and build for the future. But it tells me that Jared is sort of in win-now mode, that he's going for you know, instant impact players rather than players that have to be brought along. One big thing to watch for with Villa in the next couple of days is the potential departure of Michael Beale, who apparently is now the favourite to get the QPR job. That could have a huge impact on Gerard losing his number two. 
the guy known to be the tactical mind behind what happened at Rangers. Could be very, very interesting, so keep an eye on that one. It looks like Crystal Palace are close to signing a new goalkeeper. Sam Johnston of West Brom is out of contract at the end of the month. He has told West Brom he will not be staying, and Palace seem to have jumped to the head of the queue. I do think Palace need a new keeper. Uh, Gaeta is, what, 36, 37? Jack Butland was brought in to be the backup and potential successor, but it hasn't really worked with him. He's never really recovered from the uh, the ankle injury he suffered at Stoke. Uh, so Sam Johnston. Now, I'm not a big Sam Johnston fan, but he is an upgrade on Butland and Gaeta. So if they go into next season with the three of them, that's pretty strong. If then they've got Johnston and Butland as their two moving forward, that's pretty strong. It's pretty strong. And it is one area of need addressed for uh, for Crystal Palace without costing them a significant amount of money. There'll obviously be a signing on bonus uh, for Johnston, but it, it was it's a lot less than the 15 million or so that West Brom were asking from last summer. Now we'll do the gossip. Uh, let me see. Manchester United have told Barcelona and Netherlands midfielder Frankie de Jong, they will turn their attention elsewhere if he cannot decide whether he wants to come to Old Trafford this summer. I'm sure he'll be devastated by the news. Monaco midfielder Aurelien Chouameni's proposed move to Real Madrid has been held up due to a tax issue. The La Liga champions are prepared to pay around $68 million for the 22-year-old. That's according to ESPN. But yes... Many Spanish reports say that they're not prepared to spend that type of money on him. So what's the truth? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned this in recent days, but Zambo Nguisa has completed his move to Napoli on a permanent deal. So delighted for him. Uh, shame for Fulham, but you know he has to move on. He's too good to be playing in relegation battles. Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool and Chelsea are all keen on Chouameni and we've already stepped in. Only Liverpool are in the mix. The other three are not. Arsenal couldn't even get in the room with them, so that's just nonsense. Um, our AC Milan want to tie Rafael Leao down to a new contract to rebuff interest from Real Madrid. He is an outstanding young forward and they should do everything they can to keep hold of him. Real want a midfielder and a striker this summer and will discuss potential new signings at a meeting on their return to Spain following the Champions League final. Richarlison could leave Goodison this summer with Tottenham, Real Madrid and PSG all keen. His agent does a a marvellous job at connecting his names to clubs clubs he's got no right to play for. Everton are competing with West Ham to sign Max Cornet. If West Ham could land him and Emmanuel Dennis, that would be really, really good. That would be very, very good for them because Bowen has obviously played more as a nine this season than in previous years as the kind of backup to Antonio. So if he is through that, then Cornet can come in on the right wing. Or if you just want to leave Bowen out and get him a rest, Cornet can play. Then Dennis can also play through the middle. He can play left. You could definitely play the three of them as a front three. That could be fun. 
Um, Tottenham striker Harry Kane is ready to open talks on a new contract. Big change from him, obviously, but his his options have dwindled and Manchester United are not enticing to him now because they're a Europa League team. He's not going to go to Arsenal. Liverpool won't want him. Chelsea don't want him and City have gotten their striker, so it is what it is. Inter Milan are hoping to sign Henrik Mkhitaryan when his contract runs out with Roma in the summer. Arsenal are interested in Lens midfielder Cech Dukure. However, Brighton, Everton, Crystal Palace and Wolves are all keeping tabs. Apparently, apparently Crystal Palace have had preliminary talks about him and Vieira is very keen to get him in as one of two midfielders this summer. Uh, very, very good holding midfielder, only 22 years of age. Big, big promise. Uh, check to Kure. Arsenal are considering a move for Alexander Zinchenko. I assume he would be sort of a starting midfielder and depth fullback for them. Um, Zinchenko's too good to really be a squad player, but he's not quite good enough to start for City. So it's, it's a weird situation he's in, but he is a very good player. I do like him. Uh, Leicester are set to give Johnny Evans a new deal. However, they will listen to offers for Yannick Vestergaard and Bubakari Samari. I mean, Bubakari Samari is really, really good, but Rodgers just doesn't know what he's doing. Um, Yannick Vestergaard, a, a Rodgers signing. Leicester should just bin Rodgers, is, is the truth of it. Um, Manchester United could make an offer for Christopher Kunku next week. They could, but they won't. Paris Saint-Germain will not sign Usman Dembele this summer, despite him being linked with a return to his homeland. Um, if Mbappe says to sign him, they will sign him. Simple as that. Paul Pogba's barber has dropped a clue on Instagram about his future, suggesting that the Frenchman will rejoin Juventus. That's been strongly rumoured of late. West Ham will listen to offers for Thomas Suchek. This is Football Insider, so we'll throw this straight in the bin. Uh, Manchester United have held internal talks with Eric Ten Hag about Urien Timber and Pau Torres. Urien Timber is, is, the, is really good, but again, like Kunde, I, I, I have a tough time seeing how he survives in the Premier League as a centre-back at 5'10", unless they're going to play a back three. If they play a back three, he's fine. Not in a four, though. He could be. A, he can play right back, so he could play right back for them. Um, Pau Torres is walks in absolutely fine, but Pau Torres and Varane means Maguire sitting out. That's the eighty million pound club captain. It's going to get messy with Maguire, I think. Crystal Palace are looking at a move for twenty nine year old Sam Johnson. We've just been over that. Manchester United made an inquiry about Dane Scarlett but we're told he had signed a contract extension. Uh, Fiorentina are struggling to agree a deal for Lucas Torreira. They want to reduce the asking price of 12.5 million. So they're obviously not that keen. Everton's move for Blackpool's Welsh goalkeeper, Chris Maxwell, as a backup to Jordan Pickford is dependent on their third choice keeper, Joe Virginia, completing a permanent or another loan move to Sporting Lisbon. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't keep the younger, better goalkeeper. Everton are just a dreadful, dreadful club when it comes to squad building, when it comes to future planning, 
It's all a mess. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to, uh, as I said, I've stolen an idea. So it's a challenge. You are a sporting director at a top six club in the Premier League. Your chairman gives you 100 million, 150 million to spend. Who do you buy and why? So I thought I'd just do it for all six. Because why not? What else am I going to do on Friday afternoon? I will see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, before we get into this little challenge thing, I just wanted to take a quick minute, quick minute, all minutes are the same really, but a quick minute to uh, address something. I saw this on uh, Instagram. It is by Danny Drinkwater. So, he says, my time at Chelsea has come to an end. Actually feels really strange writing this. Me, the club and the fans, are hugely disappointed with the outcome. There is no doubt about it. Injuries, how I've been treated, mistakes I have made, issues on the pitch, lack of game time. The list of excuses could be endless, but I would not and cannot change what's happened. I'm going to look at the positives over the past five years. I played with some great players, coached by awesome managers, worked with some brilliant staff, met some fantastic people, lived in some beautiful places, traveled the world and won some more silverware. Football is a fantastic sport, but this, for both parties, was a business move gone wrong. It's as black and white as that. To the Chelsea fans, I apologise for how this has turned out. I would have loved for you to have seen me at my best in that shirt doing what I love. All the best. It's really refreshing to see a player who, without question, is one of the biggest failed transfers in Premier League history. I mean, Danny Drinkwater cost Chelsea, I think, 35 million. They paid him 120 grand a week for the last five years, which is about 30 million. So you're looking at about 65 million pound outlay, not counting bonuses. And he played 23 games. He played 22 games in the first season, 12 in the league, four in the FA Cup, three in the League Cup, three in Europe, and scored one goal. And the following season, he made one appearance in some nondescript game. Maybe the Super Cup or something, I don't know. That is, by any measure, a disaster. He did win an FA Cup with them. Oh, the Charity Shield is what it would have been. He played in the Charity Shield. Um, He won an FA Cup with them in his first season. He didn't play any part in anything else. He had a loan to Burnley that didn't go well. He had a loan to Villa that didn't go well. He had a loan to Kasim Pasa in Turkey. Played 11 games, six-month loan. Seems to have gone okay for him. And he was on loan at Reading this past season. And the couple of games I saw, he looked like a fella who was fed up playing football. 
all told in the last five years. Danny Drinkwater has played 75 games. It's 15 a year on average. Now, he has taken the blame for some of it, and rightly so. Obviously, Chelsea have their part to play. The other clubs that he went to, whatever the reasons were, whatever. But it's just really refreshing to see him actually acknowledge these things. Because Paul Pogba will leave Manchester United in the next week or so. And Paul Pogba has been an even bigger flop than Danny Drinkwater. Paul Pogba cost £89 million, arrived with the reputation as the next great midfielder, has earned three hundred and fifty grand a week or so for the last six years, plus bonuses, plus signing fee, plus agents fees, all told... United are about 225 million into a big black hole for Paul Pogba. That is money that they should have just poured petrol over and lit on fire. Paul Pogba's return is a European, I uh, sorry, Europa League and a League Cup. That's what he won with United. He had one really good season in six. Is he a better player than Danny Drinkwater? Of course he is. He has always been a better player than Danny Drinkwater. Um, from you know when they were both at United till now, he has been a better player than Danny Drinkwater. But Paul Pogba was expected to be the best midfielder in the world. Danny Drinkwater, every sort of looked at and thought, why have Chelsea done that? Is it just because him and Kante were really good together? Is that the only reason they've done this? And it, it seems like it was. It was because him and Kante had worked really well together at Leicester and they thought they could recreate that in their midfield. The, the thing is, Danny Drinkwater was never really a particularly good Premier League player. He had one really excellent season in the Premier League in his entire career, the year Leicester won the title. The first year they came up, he struggled to adapt to the division. He'd spent most of his career to that point playing in the championship. And he struggled in his first season in the Premier League. Then whatever it is that happened at Leicester in the 15-16 season, it will never be explained. But all of a sudden, a whole bunch of bang average players found this level that they'd never even sniffed at before. Danny Simpson... Christian Fuchs, Robert Hoots, Wes Morgan, all of these guys who were run-of-the-mill journeymen all of a sudden became, you know, late 80s Milan in defence. The same thing with Danny Drinkwater in midfield. He went from being a fairly run-of-the-mill championship-level midfielder, a Jack Callback type of midfielder, to basically being... Albertini for a year and then that next year there was a massive drop off across the board Leicester had a terrible season and then Chelsea bought him and they bought him based on one season rather than looking at everything around him and and his entire career to that point so there was never this expectation with Danny Drinkwater that he was going to be a great player for Chelsea. He might have had a great and a big expectation that he would be. He probably had the belief in himself that he'd go there and excel and whatever else. That's fine. But the general view of it was that's a 
that's a strange move by Chelsea. When United signed Pogba, it was that's a lot of money, but that's a great player. And as it turns out, he hasn't been a great player for them. The only season you can look at for Pogba at United and say he was top class that season is 18-19. His first season was all right. Second season was poor. That third season was excellent. And the three since have been terrible. And this season was a joke. He had that really good start where he had like seven assists after four games. And United fans and Pogba stands were all excited. And then he's just been a disaster since. Not once did Paul Pogba, in the last three years, did Paul Pogba look like the guy that everybody was certain was going to be the next big thing. Not once. 1819, remember, he came off the high of the World Cup as well. So, and he sort of carried that momentum. That's his sole appearance in the PFA team of the season. He did make the Europa League squad of the season twice, but that's for mid-table players. Uh, he was voted Europa League player of the season in 16-17, and that's fair enough. Uh, I wouldn't have awarded him that, but they were happy enough to. Um, he did play a big part in, in the two cups under Jose, no question. But he's only had one great season, and that was that 18-19 season. And aside from that, he's been a disaster. And I guarantee you, he will not say anything of the sort. He won't take any blame for what's happened at United. Not one bit. And he'll just ride off into the sunset and go and probably play really well for Juventus because he won't be asked to try as hard. Anyway, right. 150 million. The big six. Did I just go squeaky there? The big six. Um, We'll start with City. So what does City need? Not a whole lot is the answer. Sorted in goal. They've got Edison. They've got Stefan. They've got Scott Carson as third choice. Gavin Basunu as, you know, a future option if they want. Uh, right backs, they've got Walker and Canseo is a right back. Canseo is also a left back. Zinchenko is the other left back option. And I think he's a better midfielder. I'd like to see them buy a left back. As eights, they've got De Bruyne, they've got Rodri, they've got Gundogan. Zinchenko can play there. I think they're fine in that regard. And uh, They've got Rodri as a holding midfielder. They need a replacement for Fernandinho. And then up front, I think they're pretty much set. They've, they've got basically everybody that you would want. Um, just a quick shout out to the analytics brigade who are almost entirely responsible for most of the hype around Jack Grealish attempting to make out that he was just as good this season as he was last season because his non-penalty XG plus XA per 90 is the same as it was last season. Lads, he's working far too hard. He had a really bad season. He has been a flop so far. We'll see how he does next season. But when you need to put all the different qualifiers on it, you know, always his shot-creating actions per 90, do me a favor. Seriously, do me a favor. Go, go for a walk. 
Go for a long walk. Get some fresh air. Breathe it in. Go to the shops. Find a nice clothes shop. Get yourself some new threads. And get yourself out in the town tonight, lads. Do something more productive with your life than coming up with excuses for Jack Grealish. But they've got Grealish, they've got Foden, they've got Sterling, they've got Maris. Gabriel Jesus probably leaves, but Haaland is coming and Julian Alvarez is coming. So that's fine. They need a left back and they need a holding midfielder. They could potentially look to bring in a fifth centre-back just for an extra little bit of depth because Diaz has had some injuries this year. Laporte has had some injuries. Stones has had some injuries. So they could look at doing that. But, I mean, look, to be fair, they could also look to bring in a backup right back if they want to keep Walker and Canseo as the starters. John Stones had to play a bit of right back this year. That's not ideal. So maybe you look for two backup fullbacks and a holding midfielder. So the, the midfielder that makes the most sense, in my view, is Matthias Nunes of Sporting CP. He is very, very similar to a young Fernandinho, that dynamic ball-winning, ball-carrying type, the one that played next to Nigel de Jong when he first arrived, that Fernandinho. And I think that's what they need to replicate because Nunes could play as the six, or he could play as an eight, or he could play in a two with Rodri. So Matthias Nunes is who I would go for. Uh, I think if he's somewhere in the region of about £45 million is what it's going to take to get him from sporting. It's a Portuguese international, now Brazilian-born, but uh, naturalised. So, um, yeah, Matthias Nunes would be there. Left back, I would go for Aaron Hickey of Bologna. Because I think he can replicate and develop into what Canseo is. Less less flashy, maybe not the same level of potential, but certainly a very good two-footed fullback. I would go for Aaron Hickey. I think 20 million gets you him from Bologna. And then Kyle Walker. Now, Walker's a unique profile in that he's, you know, he's 6'1". He's really well built. He's very strong and he's lightning quick. There aren't many Kyle Walkers out there. Most people with Kyle Walker's physical profile play rugby, (laughs) not football. Um, So they had Pedro Porro. They sold him. Ashraf Hakimi would be the ideal, though he's not nearly as good defensively as Walker, but far better going forward. But similar type of height, build, speed. Um, but maybe they need to look at someone more of a, a quota option. So I, I know I link him to everybody, but Jed Spence, six one, strong, improving defensively, good recovery speed. I think Jed Spence could be an option for them. Again, I think you're probably looking, I think realistically, if 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 City go in for a player, the price does go up a bit regardless. We know that. But after the season he's had, I think Borough are going to be asking for fairly decent money. Unless Forrest have an option to buy for like 8, 10, 12 million, I think. I think uh, Middlesbrough will ask for somewhere in the region of 18 to 20. The other option would be Matty Cash, but I don't think, uh, don't think Villa would sell him. And if they did, it would be a lot of money. Too much for a backup. 
So I'll I'll go Jed Spence here. Um, I just think he makes sense for them. I do. I think he makes sense for them. Twenty million because it's City. So that's let's say eighty-five million spent between the three spots. You've already got Haaland coming in. You're pretending it's fifty-one million when it's a lot more. But let's just say let's just say inclusive of Haaland, that's your hundred and fifty million spent. Um, that's including the sixty-five for Haaland, not not the ten fifty-one. Um, so yeah, so that's that Haaland which is already done, obviously, or, or close to done. Uh, Hickey, Spence, and Matthias Nunes for them. On to Liverpool. Liverpool's needs are clear. They need one at right back and two in midfield. Now, you could argue they need an attacker, but that will be dependent on someone leaving. Because as things stand, they're still going to have Salamani, Diaz, Firmino, and Jota going into next season. Now, Minamino could leave, so they might need a sixth attacker. Firmino could leave, so they might need a fourth or fifth attacker. Or Mane could leave, so they might need a starting attacker. We'll wait and see. But for now, I think you need that backup right back. And I think you need two in midfield. I think they need two in midfield. So, the obvious one in midfield is Chuameni. 65 million is the price on him. He gives them an ace who can be a destructive force off the ball, a ball-carrying force, and a passer on the ball. He can play as a six. I think long-term, that's where they develop him, is as a six. So, I'd go for him. I'd go for Quadio Kone of Borussia Mönchengladbach as well. Because I, I don't think you can ever have too many really good box-to-box, aggressive, ball-winning type midfielders who have versatility to the game. So I'd actually go for him as well. So I think long-term, you could look at Chuameni as a six and him and Kone as an eight. You could loan Kone back out for a season if you needed to but I would go for both of them. I think 25 million probably gets him. And then just a backup right back. And the one that's been mentioned is Aaron Hickey, is, is um, Aaron Hickey, is Calvin Ramsey from Aberdeen. And I think he's a very good fit. So I'd be happy enough to see him come in. Uh, his age means that he's not going to be too demanding of playing time. It will allow Joe Gomez to play a bit of right back and get some minutes there as well. So that's what I would do. Now that brings me in at well under 100 million. So now I do have 50 million plus to play with. And maybe now I don't need to worry about, well, waiting for an attacker to leave, to just bring one in. Now, the one I would want, well, I've got two that I really want. High end. Nkunku and Osimian. I don't have enough money with the 50, 55 million left to get either of them. I think it'll cost 70, 75 to get either of them. But I can raise that fairly easily by selling Oxlade Chamberlain or Minamino. But with 50 million, I 
I do think I'd look at Rafinha. I think I'd look to bring Rafinha in. And then what I have is I have Salah and Rafinha as my right-sided options. Diaz and Jota as my left-sided options. And Mane and Firmino as my central options. I think that's what I would do. Because I love Rafinha. So that's what I'll go with. And I'd pay, I would pay 50 million to 55 million for Rafinha. I think he's that good. Moving on to Chelsea. The clear needs are in defense. Up front, I think, I think Tuchel has to make it work with what's there. I would be looking to go into next season playing a 4-3-3, not a back three. And I think if they go into next season with Werner, Havertz and Pulisic as a front three, Mount and Kovacic as the eights, and then Kante as the depth behind them, I think that can be strong for them. Mount is the more attacking eight, Kovacic the one who does more of the defensive side. So you need a holding midfielder. You've got your goalkeeper, you've got your fullbacks. There's obviously depth needed here as well. I'd look to bring back Levi Colwell. Um, You need a backup left back. I think they're fine at backup right back with Dujon Sterling. I think they can keep him. That's what I would do is I would keep him. Um, I'd let Aspie go. I'd let Alonso go. If they don't want to be there, just let them go. That academy is more than capable of producing the talent needed to fill in certain spots. Colwell, um, Chalaba, and Silva give me my depth centre-back. So I need two starting centre-backs, a backup left-back, and a holding midfielder. That's what I need for Chelsea. And everything else I feel quite good about. So I'll keep Lukaku, I'll keep Hudson-Odoi, I'll bring Harvey Vale into the mix. I'll keep Tino Andrin and get him in the mix as an eight who can also play in the front three. So I'm looking for two centre-backs and a holding midfielder plus a backup left-back. And for a backup left-back, I think I'd just look for a cheap and cheerful squad quota offer uh, option. And I think Jamal Lewis... <clears throat> or Matt Target would be absolutely fine. They're not great. They're short-term fixes for a club like Chelsea. But if I can get either of them for between 10 and 15 million, I'm going to do that because, like I say, they help my quota. And that is something you've always got to just keep one eye on. Plus, they're proven Premier League operators. And sometimes you don't really need... Do you know, actually, I'm wrong. You know who I'd go for? I'd go for Charlie Taylor. Charlie Taylor of Burnley. 28 years of age. Really good cross for the ball. I think he can replicate a lot of what Chilwell does. He's not an elite level player, but I think 10 million will get you Charlie Taylor from Burnley. And I think he fills a gap. So I'll go him, Charlie Taylor. 
central defense. See, it's not about the individuals. It's about the partnership. And I'm wondering, it's also about what it means to players to play for clubs. And I'm wondering if there's anybody out there who would mean more to to play week in, week out for Chelsea than for Kyle Tamori and Mark Wehi, both of whom they have sold in recent years. Gwehi had an outstanding season for Palace. Tamori was one of the two best defenders in Serie A. One of them is an aggressive front foot defender and the other is a more calm-headed reader of the game. Tamori, that aggressive one, Gwehi, really, really calm, reads the game really well, brings leadership to the team. It would cost me 80 million to get Jules Kunde. Kunde is better than either of them. There's no doubt about that. But can I get both of them for 80 million? I think I probably can. They have the rights to match offers made for both. They don't have buyback options, I don't think. They sold Gwehi for. I want to say 20 million. Let's see. I want to say they sold them for 20 million. Uh, 18 million. 18 million. They've got sell on incentives and the right to match any offers made for Gway. I think 35 million brings him back. So I would, I would buy him. He's 21 years of age. He came through the academy. He was at Chelsea from the age of seven to the age of 21, bar his loan spells at Swansea. I think it matters more to him to play for Chelsea than it would for a lot of others. I would bring Mark Wehi back. I would. That's what I would do. He's the one I would bring back. Um, and Tamore, I think they sold for $25 million. Kyle Tamori, 25 million. Yeah, I would buy him back. And I would happily pay 40, 45 to get him because I think he's that good. So that's what I'd do. I'd, I'd bring back Tamori and Gwehi, and they'd be my new centre back pairing. And I'd have Chalaba and Colwell as the depth options with. Thiago Silva as the one who can mentor them all, can play in a three with any of them, but will just pass on knowledge to them. And now I've got four centre-backs who came through the academy. I've got two right-backs in Reese James and Dujon Sterling who came through the academy. I'm happy with that. In midfield, like I said, you've got Kovacic, Kante, uh, Mount, Andrew, and I forgot Connor Gallagher. You're keeping him, obviously. So you've got tons of options as eights. Jorginho is your backup six. You've got, you've also got, um, you've also got Billy Gilmore there, who can be an option. But I'm happy with what I've got now. So I need one more in a, in a starting holding midfielder. 
and I've got about 60 million to spend. I've got about 60 million to spend on this now. So I spent 80 at centre back, 10 at left back, bringing back um, or bringing in Charlie Taylor. So I need, and I'm just going to roll with Kepa as the backup keeper because it's, why not? Where am I going to get, where am I going to send him? Nobody wants him. Not on that money. And I, I wouldn't be in the business of paying players to go and play for somebody else. So um, holding midfield. I mean, the one that they that I think they want is Rice. And again, that's another academy mistake that they made. But I think he'll be out. Of, he's obviously way out of the 60 million kind of budget. So you're looking at someone who primarily is a great screener of the defence. Someone who can sit in that midfield and just protect things. Now, Bubakar Kamara would have been ideal for this role. Maybe he doesn't have the on-ball presence that you would want, but as a defensive player, outstanding. Could you get Calvin Phillips to come south from Leeds? 60 million, I think, would get that deal done. Would he be interested? Maybe, maybe. Would Wilf Ndidi be attainable for 60 million? Because if he is, he's who I want. Wilf Ndidi is who I want as my, as my defensive midfielder. Because his ball winning and defensive presence, his screening of the defence is absolutely elite. So I'll go 60 million all in on Wilf Ndidi. So I get him with, with Mount and Kovacic, give Mount that freedom to get forward, join the attack. I think he's 15 goals a season from that role. You're basically getting Havertz as the false nine with three players who bring goals around him. And you, you are banking a little bit on, we'll simplify Timo Werner's game, keep him nice and narrow, and try and get him back to his Leipzig form. You're banking a little bit on the, the fitness of Pulisic and hudson Adoy. You're banking a little bit on Harvey Vale stepping up. You're banking a little bit on Tino Andrew stepping up. But Chelsea aren't going to be title contenders next season regardless. You've also still got Lukaku because, again, I, don't, I, I just don't know where you're going to get rid of him. I've said before the move I'd look to make is a straight swap for Laturo. Now, if you get Laturo, you go Laturo, Havertz, and Pulisic. I think that's the front three you can get on board with. So, yeah, I, I would look to bring in Wilf Ndidi, Tamore and Gwehi. I know they're not sexy picks, but I think they're long-term picks. Good defenders who fit together and will care. And I think you're potentially buying a future captain in Mark Gwehi. So that's what I would do for Chelsea. Um, Arsenal I mean 150 million I don't even think it can be started here but we'll just say that Ramsdale is fine I'm going to say that the new goalkeeper that's arriving the American is grand and that he doesn't count towards this money um, Arsenal need two backup fullbacks I'm going to count Saliba as a centre back that I have so that's fine I do think they need one starter and one depth player midfield plus a striker. So 
let's start defensively. Now, I know I've already picked them for two other clubs, but this is a different version of me, a different club. So I would go and buy the two young Scottish fullbacks. I would go and buy Calvin Ramsey to be back up to Tommy Asu and Aaron Hickey to be back up to uh, Kieran Tierney. And the thing is, both Ramsey and Tierney can play right back. So if Tommy Asu's out for an extended period, Ramsey doesn't have to play every game. Ben White can also play right back. So I'll go those two. I think I said 5 million for Ramsey, 20 for Hickey. I think they'd be great fits at Arsenal. Um, I need a left side centre back for depth because I've got Saliba and Ben White. I've got Gabriel. I need a backup. They do have Pablo Mari, and I don't mind Pablo Mari, to be honest, but he's probably not, he's not really good enough for Arsenal, is the, is the truth of it. Um, so as a backup left, a backup left side centre back, you're looking for someone, either someone more experienced or someone young with a big, big future, someone that you can develop. Now, the one that stands out to me that I could potentially develop is Dan Axel Zagadou. Now, he is, I believe, out of contract this summer. He is. He's out of contract this summer. So he's a free agent. 6'5", monstrous unit. Really good potential, but... He's had some injuries and he's got a lot of learning to do, but he is only, what, 22 years of age, 23 this summer. But I'll take a chance on him. I'll bring him in as a free. So I've got him and Ben White as my backup centre-back, Saliba and Gabriel as the starters. Uh, midfield, it's largely a 4-2-3-1. It, it looks a 4-3-3, but it's largely a 4-2-3-1. Um, Partey. I'm keeping Maitland-Niles, whether he likes it or not. I'm keeping, what's his face? Elneny. Uh, I'm selling Jacket because, of course. So I need a starting partner for Partey and a backup. Um, I mean, Ishmael Benesser is the partner I'd really want for, for Thomas Partey. I think he is absolutely ideal and he's played with Frank Kessie who's got similarities to his game in terms of that powerful box-to-box presence would 40 million get Benesser I think it probably would I think it probably would so I'll go for him so that puts me at 65 million spent I need a backup for him somebody in that type of position um I really don't want to keep Granite Jacket because I just can't abide watching him play. So, again, we look to the free transfer market and see who's out there that could potentially be an option. Obviously, Pogba is not going to be. Kessie's gone to Barca, um, so they're not options. I wouldn't be against Xhaka from Lille. He's a decent player. He's a decent player. He's not a great player, but he's decent. I'll go with him. I'll go with him on a free. I think he works for what I want. 
Um, could look for someone maybe with a bit of a higher feeling, someone with the potential to develop into something. But Sheckett would work for short term because with Arsenal, like, it's always about patching holes. Obviously, Yuri Thielemann's name has been mentioned a lot, but I, I would prefer Benesser. I think he's a better fit. Do you know what? I'd bring in Hossamauer as well in, instead of instead of Xhaka because he gives me cover in that centre midfield role and in the attacking midfield role. Rumours are his, he's only going to cost about £15 million this year. He's only got a year left on his contract. He's only 23. So I'll go him instead. So that brings me to £80 million. So I get £70 million then to get my attackers. I think Jonathan David is the ideal forward for Arsenal, for how they play. I think David would be really good. He's about 40 million worth. And that leaves me with 30 million left over to add more bits of depth here, there and everywhere. But Jonathan David, Benesser, the two Scottish fullbacks, Zagadou. Do you know what? Given that I have that 30 million left, I might just go and buy... Ben Wabadiashile instead of Dan Axel Zagadou because he's a better version. So I think that's what I'll do. I'll go Badiashile, Hickey, Ramsey, Benesser, Awar, and Jonathan David. And that gives me what I want. They're keeping Eddie and Katia. I keep Balligan as well. Uh, Spurs. This has become a very long podcast I'm now aware of, but I'm going to do this anyway. Uh, Spurs, two centre-backs, uh, a starting right wing-back, and a, maybe a depth midfielder, but I think they're actually all right there. So uh, I want a goalkeeper as well, because I'm not... I, I, like I said before, I think Lloris is close to done. So what I would do there is I would go for the old, reliable Rajkovic from Stad Reims, bring him in, 10, 12 million, job done. He's your long-term keeper. Um, two centre-backs, one in the middle. Stefan de Vries, the obvious one. And I think 20 million gets him this summer. The left-sided role, Gvardiol and Bastoni are the two names always mentioned. I think Bastoni is the better of the two, but I think he's the harder to get of the two and the more expensive. I'd go 50 million on Gvardiol. So that's 70 million spent. Uh, right wing back, I still think Max Ahrens is probably the best option for them. Um, I would just keep what they have at left wing back. They they might want to make changes, but I think I'd keep what they have. So that's 90 million plus 10 for the keeper. I've got about 50 million left. You need a backup for Kane and maybe a body in midfield. You're looking for someone. If it's someone in midfield, you probably want a starter. So you probably want to look at Someone who can start next to Bentoncourt. And then you've got you've got decent options behind that in terms of skip, Sar to come in, Heusberg and Winks. So yeah, so one in midfield. Uh, I think I'd, I'd throw it at Yves Basuma. Basuma and Bentoncourt as a midfield, I think, works. He's got that legal case. We'll wait and see what happens. And then up front, I bring in Bellotti on a free. I think I'm happy with that. I bring back Brian Hill. I go Kulisevsky Hill. I go Kane Bellotti. 
Sun Mora, Bergvine can go. Um, I've got Aaron's and Royale, Benton Kerr and Hoyersberg and Skip. Basuma, Sar and Winks, that's fine. Loads in midfield then. Regulon and Sessignon, Gvardiol and Davies, DeVries and Dyer, Romero and Tanganga. You can sell Roden, you can sell Davinson. And then I've got Loris, Rajkovic and Fraser Forster as my three keepers. I'm good. Uh, last but not least, Manchester United. This will be the toughest one because <clears throat> they need the most. But first port of call is going to be right back. Like Luke Shaw is not great, but he's he's decent. So Luke Shaw left back is okay. Tellers is fine. Delo is a, is a backup right back. You loan out um, Wan Bissaka to Palace or whoever will take him, and you look for a starting caliber right back. Now. At centre-back, you've got Varane, you've got Lindelof, you've got Bailly, you've got Maguire. So you need, you probably do, you need a, you do need a starter. You need a starter. Um, ideally, you'd look to sell Maguire. I don't think it's going to be possible. So you just move forward with, with what you have and you bring one in. Pau Torres has been linked with them. So why not? 50 million. He's a very good defender. Torres and Varane is something that should work. So that's what I go with. Um, over Jurian Timber and I like to no you could bring in Timber to be your right back so you could bring him in 35 million that's your right back that's that sort of but I don't want to spend that much money if I can avoid it now I'll, I'll see if I can avoid it we'll wait and see um, I'd be letting Cristiano go but I don't think they will so he's up front Sancho and Rashford either side is what I'm guessing is the case next season we don't know what's going to happen with Greenwood. Martial is an option. Uh, they'll have a Langa. They'll have um, the kid that went to Rangers, whose name is escaping me. I can't think of his name. He went to Rangers on loan, didn't have a great season. Him, that guy. Uh, yes, Diallo. Ahmed Diallo. Um, midfield, I've got Fred. I've got McTominay. I've got Bruno. So Bruno's the starter. Fred McTominay and James Garner are depth. Donny, Donny Van de Beek is the backup to Bruno. I need two starters in midfield. Um, I would go Fabian Ruiz from Napoli for the left-sided role in my midfield. I think 45 million gets him. So I'm up to 95 with him and Pau Torres. I need a holding midfielder and a right back with 55 million. Um, that's not easy. I'd probably look at... I'd probably look at somebody... I mean, I don't know that you can go too young in that holding role because you could look at a Czech Dukure or a John Onana and they're massive upside, but like, I'm just not sure they're, they would cope all that well with the pressure of United straight away. That's the big doubt for me. 
but they are a big upgrade on what's there at the minute. I'll go check Dakure. I think you put him in with his energy, his ball winning with Bruno and Ruiz. I think that's, you've got good balance for starters. I think that works. I think 20, 25 million probably gets him. If I can get him for 20, then I can afford Julian Timber. The problem if I buy Timber is I'm limited then going forward down that right. So that's not working for me. I need a more attacking right back. So I'm going to go for former Manchester City player who's just signed for Sporting after been there on loan for two years. I'm going to bring Pedro Poro back to the Premier League. And I'm going to play him as my right wing back. 22 years of age, former winger, incredible going forward. I'm going to bring him in. He is outstanding. They've just paid... Seven million for him. I'm going to offer them 30 and just blow them out of the water. And I'm going to bring him back. So he's my right back. Pedro Poro, Deloa's the backup. Varan, Pau Torres, Shaw. Yeah, yeah. Bruno, Decoure, Ruiz. Ruiz is the best option there. Decoury just... I want someone a little bit better than Decoury, someone a little bit more ready. But I'm not sure who there is. They were 25. They were 25 on, on Poro. I've got about 30 million. 30 million for a holding midfielder. No one in the Premier League for that kind of money that would be good enough. You know who there is, and this is who I'm going to get. He's not in the Premier League. I think I'd go Yusuf Fafana of Monaco. Now, the thing with him is he's really good. He's overshadowed massively by the fella he plays next to. In many. But I think he's an underrated player. Could he be the option? Because he is very, very good. The one I would have loved is Brozovic, but didn't he sign a new contract? I believe he did. Sell up Brozovic. Uh, yes, till 2026. He would have been ideal to sit in there just different type of player than those less dynamic but just in terms of reading the game Bubakar Kamara would have worked here either same kind of age profile as these others but a bit more um a bit more seasoned more of a mature head do you know what I'll just go check Dakure because he is the, he's he's I do think he's better than Yusuf Fana so we'll go check Dakure and that's fine. That is my my top six teams if I was in charge and had a big bag of money to spend on all of them. So that is me for this week, folks. I am going to leave you at that. I will speak to you all on Monday. 
if Liverpool lose on Saturday night, I will scream at you all on Monday. But hopefully it will be a cheerful occasion and we'll all be very happy. So enjoy your weekends. Enjoy both games. Uh, don't do anything foolish. And uh, see you then. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.